Hello, everyone, and welcome to Random Encounter 232 or 232. My name is John O'Logan, and this is the first Random Encounter of 2022. And it is a brand new year. It is a it is a brand new start. Sure, it feels an awful lot like 2021, but there's a difference. Uh, it's one bigger. So uh, we're going to be diving into uh, lots of uh, lots of video games today, and today. Here's the thing about January. There aren't a lot of game releases. There really, really aren't. It's the beginning of the year. I think this is one of the months that movie studios use to dump terrible movies. Perhaps video game studios do the same thing, but there's not a whole lot coming out this month. A lot of stuff coming out next month. Big titles coming out next month. This month, not so much. So what we are going to be doing is taking a look at uh, some of the games that have come out in 2021 that we uh, have reviews coming out for now. So these could be games that came out in uh, uh, in December, or uh, these are games that came out way before that. But it, you know, a port is coming, a brand new port is coming in. So uh, yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff coming up, and we have some pretty cool people here to talk about it. So let's uh, introduce our panel today. So first up, we have the person who wrote the most reviews for RPG Fan in 2021, Audra Bowling. Hello, hello. And next up, we have the person who is. Uh, who, who braves the games that others do not at RPG Fan to review them, uh, Neil Shandran. Hello. Neil, the last time you were here on Random, it was like, feels like it was 20 years ago, but in reality, it was just under a year ago, uh, back when Greg was host. I think uh, you were on the Diversity episode, right? That is correct. Cool. And uh, I'm, glad that you're, I'm glad that you're back. And uh, we also have Dom Kim, who I believe was also on that episode. That is correct. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So yeah, how was everyone's holiday? How, or I guess maybe it wasn't a holiday. How was everyone's, you know, end of the year? Uh, Neil, you have a good one? Mine was good. It was really good to get together with people over the break, especially since last year I couldn't get together with anyone for Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything. So just getting together with some old family friends was fantastic. That's really, really nice to hear. Uh, Dom? Um, mine was rather uneventful actually slept through the new year <laughs> that in my opinion that's the best way to get to the new year just wake <laughs> up in 2022 look around looking like where am i <laughs> yeah i've just been i've just been enjoying um winter break right now since i finished the semester nice very nice and audra how was yours um mine was pretty nice i had a small gathering of family and just got to hang out over winter break so it was fun that is very nice yeah uh, I'm with you, Neil and Audra. We uh, we actually had a Christmas this year, and it was it was a little bit touch and go there for a while because Amanda's parents got real nervous about uh, the variant, understandably so. But uh, we convinced them that in fact we haven't seen anyone for weeks, uh, and they haven't seen anyone for weeks, so we're probably okay. So we had a nice we had a nice holiday uh, where you know it was a nice Christmas dinner thing, and we had a a birthday party for Amanda's dad and brother. And it was, it was a real nice dose of normality in a time when there doesn't feel like there's much of that. So yeah, that's, that's Christmas vacation now for me, just a little dose of normality. That's what's in the stocking this last year. And uh, also, uh, you know, playing games and I played a lot of games over the break. Um, one of which started in 2020, uh, 2021 and is moving into 2022. And I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot on this because this is a game that has been talked about extensively both on this podcast and in many others. And that is Dragon Quest uh, 11S. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, got, I got it on the Steam sale and uh, I figured, you know what? I can I can delve into a 100 plus hour RPG. Um, I, it's Christmas break. What the heck? And I uh, started it, and this is going to be controversial. I don't love it. Really don't love it. I just, it's its killing me. But I'm, I'm currently midway through uh, the second act of the game. So it's not like I'm only like just starting it like 20 hours in. Um, and I'm invested enough to keep playing. I'm not saying it's bad by any means. It's not bad. But uh, yeah, it's its not its not grabbing me. Uh, it's not grabbing me. Um and I got to be honest, I, this is, again, something that people have talked about extensively, but one of the reasons why it is not grabbing me is because I have turned the music down to 10%. <laughs> I, I I have it on orchestral score, uh, not the synth, the orchestral score, and still, uh, if the, I have to hear that battle theme one more time, oh my god, they use it for everything. Any time that there's, like, heightened stakes, they just use it. And another thing that drives me crazy is there's a lot of, like, 
songs in this game where like people are singing and to each other and there's like little group songs and things like that. But instead of having actual music or songs like you would expect an RPG of this uh, caliber and budget to have, it's just words appear on the screen with music underneath that has nothing to do with the song that's being sung. And it's driving me crazy. I, it, it, it genuinely almost stopped me from playing the game. And then I powered through and got a little bit more into the story because the story's quite good and the characters are really interesting. But oh my, it's just not, it's just not grabbing me the way I was really hoping it was going to. Aww. Yeah. To the point where I'm genuinely considering just playing the whole thing in 2D mode. Um, well, that's an option. It is an option. It's an option that I was vaguely considering getting someone to write about and just like review the 2D version of the game because it's, I mean, it's the same game, but slightly different um anyway so yeah that's that's dragon quest 11 s for me uh, i'm enjoying it i'm not loving it i'm gonna play it all the way through um but yeah not it's it's not working it's not working too much for me i can hear i can hear solosi screaming from here um anyway but let's talk about uh, let's talk about some games that are a little bit newer but still in 2021 and uh, we're going to open up with talking about a game that is a little bit older but it had a real big piece of dlc that came out at the end of last year uh and it is something that really just shocked and delighted many many people and i gotta be honest it kind of debuted and then not much was said about it and i think the reason why is because uh you got to play through the original game to get to this really really uh interesting piece of dlc and the game is another eden the cat beyond time and space audra uh you actually took on a massive task and you played through all of another eden and then you played through complex dream which is the chrono cross dlc for this title yes yeah that's that's a, a a big lift um and you enjoyed it you gave it an 83 um, but can you tell us a little bit about Another Eden? It's from many of the people who were behind uh, the Chrono series, so Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. And uh, there are, I, I guess you could call them homages, references. Uh, yes, there's um, quite a few yes, very including, big references. I remember a few years ago when this thing was announced and we got like art for it. And we were like, oh my God, it's frog, it's frog, it's frog. And it's like, no, it's a completely legally distinct frog character who's a swordsman. Yes, he's technically a samurai. Technically so a totally samurai. totally different. For legal reasons, he's a samurai. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about another Eden? And then we'll get into talking a little bit about... Uh, complex dream well it starts out you're playing as a boy named aldo who was adopted into this relatively peaceful village and i guess it would be since i do time frames the present time frame which is more like a traditional fantasy world mm -hmm. set up and him and his sister are living there peacefully he's going to become a protector of the village and this man called the beast king suddenly appears and abducts his sister for unknown reasons. So he goes on a quest to go save her and winds up somehow traveling through time. As you do. Yes. If you're oh a protagonist. <laughs> so he goes to the future first and then he goes into the far past before finally kind of getting sent back to his regular present day timeline. And then he can travel through beyond all of them freely. And there's plenty of cats. That's about what I was about to ask. Uh, <laughs> I, not that I'm... Where does the cat come in? Um, or is that a major plot spoiler? That's a major plot spoiler, although there is a cat catalog <laughs> where you can actually collect... I think someone on the staff really liked cats. Yeah. So you can actually collect information on all the various cats that you find throughout the different time periods. Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, you have a screenshot selection in your review here, and it has many a cat and a, a woman in the middle of it who looks surprised that she is surrounded by many a cat. Yes, but I'm, the cat in the title is a major spoiler. <laughs> so okay. So I'd be afraid to use it. Uh, I might cut this out, but is it Lynx? No, actually. Because that would be, that would have been hysterically funny. Or is it is it a legally distinct version of Lynx? No, it's um. Yeah, it's the, okay, I, I won't say anything. Yeah, you don't have to say anything. I'm just it's it's just funny to me how many uh, how close they get and uh, without being I mean close enough that they eventually did a crossover with the Chrono series. Yes. So this was originally uh, released on mobile uh, and 
Uh, you played it on PC. How was that? It was pretty good. The one thing I took me a while to get used to it. They don't have controller support on the PC version, which is That's a little weird. odd. That is real weird. So it took a while for me to get used to the point and click controls, but it wasn't too bad actually yeah. following that. I mean, I guess touchscreen point and click, but still it seems like if you're going to be releasing it on, I, well, then again, is it re- it's not released on a console. It's only released on PC and mobile. They're, I think they're planning a switch port at some point. I mean, that would Which make sense. Be interesting. That, well, the Switch would be able to handle this thing uh, very well. And actually, again, portable uh, seems to be the the best way to play this in many ways mm-hmm. from what I've heard. So yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? It sounds like a pretty darn conventional JRPG, uh, you know, random encounters, turn-based uh, battles, uh, you know, shops, th- that kind of thing. Is that, So all of that's there, right? It's pretty much a very standard traditional jrpg in a lot okay. of respects and i mean it's straight up turn-based combat and there isn't really you kind of just get the hang of it if you've played a lot of them before or from the get-go i think the biggest differentiation is the gotcha elements that are thrown in yeah i wanted to ask you about that because i mean like it was a mobile game i guess it still is a mobile game um and there are a lot of gotcha elements and i'm not a fan of gotcha uh, I know that you're not a fan of Gotcha. Yeah. I know that Alana is a passionate hater of Gotcha after uh, her review of uh, the Near Mobile game. Um, so, how does Gotcha play in here, and how does it, I guess, impede the overall experience of the game? Well, technically, you don't really need to get involved too much with the Gotcha elements. It just makes it, I think, a little easier if you want to put the money in. I see. I mean, I actually went through it and I didn't spend any actual money on it because they give you what they call chronostones every couple of days in the mail. And that's what you use as your currency to buy new characters if you want them. Chronostones, eh? Legally separate name. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, do the the chronostones break at any point? No, they don't, actually. They do actually have the the mail system is called Link's mail system, <laughs> and it's delivered by a cat. Of course it is, because <laughs> because Link's would be a good name for a cat. So I didn't really spend any money on it, but I did. It's helped me initially have a starting party at first that I kind of just went with for my playthrough. Yeah. So the gotcha is uh, characters, right? Yeah, it's it's party members that you can then have side quests for in the game and everything if you unlock them is there any reason to target specific characters like is it just that they look cool or they have specific things or is there story there as well no i just think the story you get whenever you happen to get a side character you get like a little side quest eventually for them but there isn't really i suppose if you want the most powerful ones you can get like five star characters if you want that are the rarest to get but they kind of don't require it. Okay. And you can actually raise your stats of your character, your the characters you do have, even if you have like lower star characters through getting items and everything through special dungeons. Hmm. So it's really it's interesting. I don't think the gotcha mechanic is needed at all. But it's there. Yeah. yeah. So like nothing is like gated behind the gotcha. I guess like none of the like harder content or anything no none of the story content or anything is gated i mean that's good yeah that's a lot more palatable than most gotcha i suppose if you wanted to get every single character so that you then get their side quests that would be but you don't have to (laughs) yeah i mean something that's interesting about this particular uh game is that they do a lot of crossovers uh with other rpg series um Mm -hmm. they've done uh you mentioned in your review they did uh one for persona 5 they do tales um, and, uh, the big one, the, the one that, uh, really grabbed everyone's attention is Chrono Cross. And it is not just like a little, like, okay, character cosmetic skins kind of crossover. Like this is a full scale DLC with characters and story involving the characters of Chrono Cross. And, uh, it is called Complex Dream. Um, and you had to play through the entire game to get to Complex Dream. We actually only have to play through Chapter 13 to oh, get okay. to it if you, that's when it opens up, but it wouldn't have made any sense plot-wise to have not advanced past that point. Uh, I did read uh, a little bit about, like, the central conceit of the game, and it seems to me to be quite clever how they work the Chrono Cross elements into it do you want to okay so if you're listening now there's going to be some spoilers here for complex dream and presumably the 
uh, after chapter 13. But uh, Audra, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, the central conceit of the game, of the DLC? Well, basically, it starts out that Aldo, he discovers that there's an alternate reality where him and his party never defeated the Beast King at this castle that they had in chapter 13. <laughs> there was a big boss fight and everything, and it was pretty epic, and they won. But in, his, in this version, him and his sister mysteriously get thrown off of um, the castle instead and disappear. And it's because it turns out Lynx is involved, which ah, I thought okay. was an interesting... So he kind of creates this alternate reality where it's an, they call it another world. Where they also could call it the fallen hero timeline, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, and you travel to that other to the other world at one point, and you end up encountering Harley and Kid, and you have to actually choose which one of them you want to accompany you for the rest of the story. Which is interesting. I actually picked Harley, but it was tough. Because I like both of them. Yeah. And it um it changes some of the quests, side quests, and story content that you get, depending on who you pick. But eventually, you kind of advance through both realities. And at some point, you run into Surge, who ends up joining you. Mm-hmm. And um, they even have Starkey show up later on, which I thought was cute. And eventually, you have to battle Lynx as fate. Okay. In order to... Um, prevent him from he was using clearly he had other purposes for creating the other world to begin with and messing the time lines and everything so it's just it's a very interesting very chrono cross-esque plot line yeah because i mean that was the central conceit of chrono cross which was uh surge falls through his world into another world where he uh died as a child uh, and the world is very similar but just a little bit different so the fact that they are doing something similar with the timeline from Another Eden is very clever. It's a very clever way to uh, incorporate these characters. Um, does Surge talk in this game at all? Yes, he does. I thought oh, it was a little that, odd. But he doesn't is... talk nearly as much as Harley or Stark he does or Kid. Well, to be fair, I mean, yeah, I would hope. Um, <laughs> I mean, Surge talking at all seems wrong somehow. Well... I'm glad that you. Uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed the. I mean, both of them, and I understand that you know it wasn't it, the gotcha mechanics were probably a little bit of a headache, but they were not bad. They they sound like you you got all of the content that you wanted out of it without having to spend money. If you spent money on it, I would have been mad at you. <laughs> oh no, I, I was able to enjoy the game without having to pay anything, so I was quite happy about that. So if you are a Chrono Cross fan, and you know there are a lot of them out there. Uh, would you recommend that people play through all of Another Eden to get to this content? Well, actually, I did give the DLC a very positive review score. I yep, quite you... liked it. I I feel like Another Eden itself is actually, a, if you can get past the gotcha mechanics, it's a very solid game. Mm. And I did think the way they incorporated the complex dream, it just it kind of just makes sense <laughs> from a narrative stance. So yeah, I'd say it's probably worth it if you have the patience for grinding. In the back of my head, I'm hoping that this is them dipping the toes back into the Chrono franchise to see if there's any interest in a new entry of the series. That would be awesome. <laughs> it might be. I can't figure out what else they would do. I mean, they've done time travel. They've done alternate realities. Now, I don't really know where else they would go beside, aside from that. Um, I mean, they could always just dip their foot back into time travel because it's been a while since the first game, mm-hmm. obviously. Well, I'm glad that this game, uh, I guess, I would say scratched an itch because it involves cats. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and you love cats. So did you enjoy that aspect? Yes, I did have fun with the cat collection. Yes. I am not a cat fan in the sense that I am allergic to them. Um, Amanda, on the other hand, is a massive cat fan. And how I handle this is I show her as many cat videos as I can. And whenever there is a video game, uh, I always... And there's a cat in a video game. I always call her and I'm like, look at the cat. And sometimes it's a realistic cat. And sometimes it's a really stupid looking derpy polygon cat. But either way, <laughs> she's like, oh, he's a kitty. Um, well, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that another Eden uh, hit hit that hit all of those buttons for you. Um, they are certainly certainly they are cats are majestic and epic beasts. But uh, there are other majestic beasts in the world of video games. 
and in many of them, you hunt them. <laughs> uh, you might even call them monsters. Uh, so yeah, a game that uh, got released. Uh, it got released in... Um, I believe it's March, late March for the Switch. Yes, it got released in Mar- late, late March of this year, or last year, because this is this, is this <laughs> year, last year was last year. Um, uh, it was Monster Hunter Rise for the Nintendo Switch. And this was a very popular game. Des reviewed it uh, when it came out, uh, gave it a 90. Uh, Des really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Solosi is on record as being a fan of this series. I don't know if anyone has heard uh, any any podcast that Solosi's ever been on. Um, but Solosi really enjoyed the series. And uh, yeah, the PC version came out. Uh, it just came out, as a matter of fact, uh, on the date of this podcast coming out. So... Uh, Dom, you dived into the PC port of Monster Hunter Rise, and I, I would love you to tell me a little bit about it. Well, um, I have to say that this is probably, I haven't played, um, many of, like, the PSP versions. I've only really, like, heard about them, and I only really got started with Monster Hunter and World mm-hmm. itself, which was released in 2018. But I have to say Rise is probably, even, even though World was already a very user-friendly experience from what i've heard compared to the older entries rise is i think probably currently the best entry point for anyone who wants to get into the series because that makes sense yeah it, it it's just it it feels like the first really like it feels like more modern than in world even in terms of like gameplay and a lot of like the quality of life changes they've introduced mm-hmm. like um like previously like in monster hunter one of the things you do before you set out for a hunt is you eat food to get um, various food buffs and to get uh, HP and stamina buff, which is like really important when you start out because it is Monster Hunter is um, it's still kind of difficult to get into. So having every bit of um, you know a, a bit of buffer buffer room for errors is important. And for world um, for the skills, you had to farm tickets separately in like a separate like side quest, like side event quest, and that was kind of a hassle. And then there were like special tickets as well that you could farm separately because World had like um, like a food freshness system. And mm-hmm. if your food wasn't fresh, you wouldn't get the HP buff. So okay, <laughs> and um, Rise does away with all of that. Like you just get the tickets naturally by like making food and you just get the HP buff naturally by just eating the, like there's no freshness attached to it anymore. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And like, it's like, it's like small things like this, like they're not necessarily like, well, like big, like game changers per se, but like, I think small things like this really do make for like a more palatable, like first time experience. From what I understand, uh, again, talking to Solosi and absorbing the knowledge that Solosi, uh, drips out about monster hunter, uh, the Monster Hunter series has a very, uh, I guess, interesting, unique way of development in that there are two different development teams. There's the uh, there's the console development team and the portable development team, yep. which has sort of become now that the their, their portable development team is producing games for Switch, which arguably is a portable but is also a console. Um, so that's that's getting a little fuzzy, but it allows them to release games on a two-year scale rather than a four-year scale. Mm-hmm. Like Monster Hunter World got released, you know, uh, two years before this, Rise. Presumably the next one will be released in uh, 2020, late 2023 or 2024. Um, what, what would you say are the main differences between the two approaches of the two development teams? Because I, I suspect there's a lot of cooperation and, uh, and coordination between the two. Mm-hmm. But the differences in tone, style, feel, overall feel, I guess, mm-hmm. between Rise and World. What would you say that is? Well, I feel World's um, team definitely, they, like, make use of their superior hardware. And they mm-hmm. really try and, like, make the environment as alive as possible. Which is a good thing when you're dealing with, you know, a, yeah. an and ecosystem like that really, you're hunting things in. I mean, I said it in my review as well. World really feels like... Um, like it's like a like a really like living breathing world like you're just you're just like a participant in it you're not like the main character in it per se mm-hmm. even though you, you know you are playing as a monster hunter and mm-hmm. rise definitely feels like it focuses more on like gameplay like fine-tuning the gameplay um fine-tuning a lot of the mechanics and like new ideas introduced in world like in rise they introduce wire bugs which um it, it, it basically unlocks like a subset of skills for certain weapons or for all the weapons, rather. Mm-hmm. And um, the wirebug skills really, like, they add a lot of verticality to the combat, 
which was lacking in World, unless you played something like the Insect Glaive, where you, you like you jumped around in the air. But in Rise, like now every every weapon has like vertical options to some extent, and yeah, that's what I feel. Like Rise feels. I mean, Rise obviously they can't make a world quite as lush and as detailed and like as high fidelity as World. So they make up for that by just fine tuning the gameplay. I feel. Whereas World really tries to go for the 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 more holistic experience. That makes sense. I mean, despite that, it looks like a it, it's a looker of a game, especially I would imagine on the Switch. Does it look good on the PC? Oh yeah, it looks fantastic on the PC, and it runs really well as well. I have to say, I ha- like with World, I had a couple of hitches early on with like mm-hmm. frame rate, but Rise just works great from the get go. Oh, that is really really nice to hear. Your I mean, disclaimer: I didn't like like fully max out like 4k resolution like 144 fps the game i just played at like i think at like 120 at 1080 to 1440 usually but even then like i didn't get any i didn't get any frame rate issues at all so and that's a perfectly acceptable frame rate and a perfectly acceptable resolution yeah so i i don't i don't, I don't doubt that it's going to scale perfectly fine to 4k as well for anyone who can handle that. <laughs> if you if your system can handle that. Yeah. Not, not handle it personally. Like, oh my God, it's 4K and you just pass <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, there are people who, if they did get their hands on like, I don't know, a 3090 Ti that was just announced, they'd probably have that exact reaction to 4K. I might, to be honest. Just seeing a 3090 Ti in person would probably make me react like that. That's true. Um, <laughs> um, you mentioned that there are a lot of uh, excellent quality of life uh, enhancements uh, in this as compared to uh, World. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say were some of the most important for you? I mean, you were talking about the uh, the food issues earlier, yeah. but are there any others? Yeah, um, one of them is uh, Mega Potions. I, feel. I guess this is like also kind of a straight up buff. Like in World, mm-hmm. like how healing works in Monster Hunter is in World, you would, for Mega, if you um, decided to heal with a Mega Potion, you would slowly chug a mega potion over the course of like three to four seconds and your mm-hmm. health bar would like slowly fill back up and the thing is this like does does not work in end game content because monsters are so fast and they will just hit you out of the animation within like like the moment you start chugging so like healing options in the end game for iceborne and world was kind of very limited or not limited but it was very you had very few options for like really mm-hmm. effective healing. But in Rise, um, like when you start chugging a Mega Potion, it instantly fills up a part of your health bar. And then it slowly fills the rest as you finish the chugging animation. And um, currently in Rise, like there, we don't have Master Rank content yet. It's still only just low and high rank. So um, even if it was just the old chugging, I don't think it would make a big difference. But I feel this, this change is going to be pretty big once we get to Master Rank content in the summer of this year i believe mm. and that will i feel like that will just make it a lot uh, less resource intensive for players because to get those specialized healing items in world that will just heal you instantly you'd have to like farm separately and you know just the whole it's it's a bunch of busy work before you actually like do the exciting hunt which i which some people appreciate i guess but for me like you know setting out to like gather plants for like the 30th time because i ran out of like mushrooms for my potions is it, it gets boring <laughs> mm-hmm. and it, it does it does feel like busy work after a while so i appreciate that they're like cutting the fat on this stuff and really focusing on the hunt i do enjoy that a fantastic quality of life feature is essentially learning how to shotgun a potion <laughs> <laughs> just like no 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 first year it's, it's first year one's chug what you do is you poke a hole in the bottom of the potion snap it open put it over your mouth and just fire it in exactly where was this technology in world uh, yeah the fraternity uh, system did not evolve <laughs> in world but in rise it is very well it's it's well and good um <laughs> and yeah there's there's going to be a lot of content that's going to be coming out for rise in the next uh few months actually there's mm-hmm. going to be uh is it what is it sunbreak yes that's the big expansion in the summer that we're all excited for. Yeah, and it's being released on both, right? Yes, simultaneously, I believe. Yeah, last week when we were talking about the 30 most anticipated games of 2022, uh, Solosi was very excited about talking about Sunbreak. Yeah, I bet you had a field day. <laughs> yeah, so that's coming out uh, That's coming out this summer, and uh, it's going to be adding quite a bit of content, apparently, and it sounds like it's going to be a full-blown expansion, too. It's not going to be something you can do from yes. the top it's, it's probably going to be like a 40 dollar expansion like iceborne was it's going to be 
you know, it's its own game almost. Which will be very much appreciated to those who are looking for more Monster Hunter and do not want to wait two or so years for it to release on uh, the PlayStation 5, presumably, or... Yeah. Yeah, PlayStation 5. Two years, there'll still be a PlayStation 5 in two years. And, like, <laughs> no one... Still, no one will still... There's... No one will be able to get them anyway. It's still going to be two years in the future, and they will still be a rare commodity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully... I mean, from what I've played so far, since I also play, like, an early access version of the game, I haven't really mm. been able to play multiplayer properly, because mm. it's, it's just me, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> But um, no, is anyone here? Yeah, but even even just even just just playing the single player, I was still able to clock in like 120 hours before I started getting like, eh, this is kind of oh, this is a bit stale now. So I can so I imagine that once like once multiplayer unlocks, it will be plenty of fun to just do stuff with friends, and it will be, yeah, I think it will it will be a fun time before sunbreak. Good before uh, before the sun rises. <laughs> oh wait, that's probably exactly the pun, isn't it? Yeah, that's that. <laughs> That is the joke. Uh, <laughs> yes, now I understand. Um, well, thank you, Dom. Uh, Monster Hunter has been around for a few years now. When did the first one come out? I believe like early 2000s. Yeah, you're right. 2004 for the PlayStation 2. So this has been around for... It, it's a fairly long-running series. It'll be... Uh, it'll be... Geez, it'll be 20 years in two years. Yep. Wow. That is... Time flies. Um Yes. So 20 years is, is a pretty good, pretty good time frame. But uh, there are some series that have been out even longer than that. For example, 30 years. Uh, but despite this, they are considerably less known here in the West. And one of these series is Super Robot Wars. Uh, so Super Robot Wars is a, uh, it's a franchise of both anime and uh, video games. But it's not one that we know here because it's never really been uh localized uh despite the fact that there are tons of them there have been a few spin-offs but the reality is that we don't really know about it until now because super robot wars 30 which is a uh the first mainline game in the series to make it to the u.s came out a few weeks ago and neil reviewed it for us and neil this was your first super robot wars uh game and uh why don't you tell us a little bit about the series and uh why you think that this should be a series that we are familiar with. Okay. Super Robot Wars is one of those series that's the title's been rattling in the back of my head since my earliest days at RPG Fan. RPG Fan is the reason I even know Super Robot Wars is a thing. Like, and I'm talking before I even joined the staff in 2004. Okay, to be fair, I was thinking, like, to be fair, it's the RPG fans, the only reason I know it exists either, but mine is considerably more recent, which was you saying, hey, can I review Super Robot Wars 30? (laughs) 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 But, yeah, I mean, yeah, the series has been around since 1991. But um, when I first joined RPG fans forums back in October 1999, several members there were active importers who were super fans of Super Robot Wars. So because it was sometimes talked about, the series always had a little bit of a mystique for me. And finally being able to play a mainline Super Robot Wars game almost seemed like I was checking off an item from like a gaming bucket list, albeit a back burner item. But anyway, what is really cool about Super Robot Wars is that it's, you know, an amazing crossover game that features characters and mechs from all kinds of anime. We're talking classic anime like um, Mazinger, Getter Robo, um, Combatler, to newer ones like uh, Majestic Prince or Knights and Magic. And in most crossover games I've played, like, the setup to bring disparate characters together sometimes feels like contrived, but Super Robot Wars historically crafts its crossover world in a way that it somehow makes sense. Like, somehow in Super Robot Wars 30, it makes perfect sense that Fu, Umi, and Hikaru from Magic Knight's Ray Earth seek mentoring from Ryoma, Hayato, and Benke from Getter Robo. It somehow it makes sense. It feels right. And it's just totally endearing. I recognize some of those words that you just said. 
<laughs> I'll admit, to a certain extent, you have to be a fan of mecha anime to really just get into the game. But that being said, there were several characters and mechs I didn't recognize that made me think, hmm, I should check out the anime therein, and I actually did. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's like, in many ways, this can be a gateway into uh, a variety of series. It really could, yes. And uh, even though Super Robot Wars 30 obviously has tons of references to you know various anime series and even a few nods to prior Super Robot Wars games, you don't need to have you know, research the entire multiverse to get into it. This is the perfect jumping point into the series. Yes, the menus have a ton of lore if you're willing to read through it, but even if not, you can just enjoy a really fun strategy RPG with tons of cool robots from tons of your favorite anime and in a storyline that makes, that somehow makes sense, even though the concept is basically... You know, upturning your toy box and putting, like, all your toys from, you know, different series together. Yeah, that's what it struck me as, but I'm uh, I'm impressed they stuck the landing on uh, on the central conceit of the, the game. The idea that, yeah, it, it's, it's playing with all your toys on your bed, but it's actually, it makes sense. It's not, it doesn't feel contrived. That's impressive. Yeah, usually crossovers tend to be hit or miss, so... Sounds like this is a hit. Definitely, and I'm pretty sure that is why, like, even in the early days, importers have been super fans of the series. You know, like, like they would talk about, you know, the magic of Super Robot Wars, and you know, back in 99, when the importers were talking about it, I didn't quite get it. But then when I played Super Robot Wars 30 this year, I was like, oh, I get it. I get why it's magic because I don't know. I feel like, I feel like when I'm describing it, it doesn't seem like anything more than your average crossover, but it's one of those things where if you play it, you kind of see it. It just works pretty much. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, for those who are curious, uh, if you, if you wish to, Oh my God. Okay. Um, well, I think that if RPG fan ever does a so you want to get into Super Robot Wars feature, it's going to be a long one because there are 47 mainline entries. Oh my god. <laughs> what? And that's not including the what looked to be like 12 spin-offs. So that is that is a lot that that woof. I ha. Oh, I'm I'm stunned into silence. Right. And and the few Super Robot game, Super Robot Wars games that came to the West in the early two thousands were a few of those spinoff games, and those spinoff games featured mechs and characters that were completely original to the Super Robot Wars franchise. Uh, presumably because they thought it'd be a lot more accessible to people that weren't familiar with the anime series. Is that? It, it pulled from perhaps that because anime was not as popular back then as it is now but also i think a big challenge of the mainline series coming over was perhaps uh licensing fees and everything for all these characters of course yes yeah that makes sense that makes complete sense that they would be uh terrified of that that would be a a lot of contracts to navigate Probably not as many as Smash Brothers, but close. Definitely. Um, let's talk a little bit about the gameplay of the series. So it's a it's a strategy RPG or a tactical strategy RPG. Um, yes. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how it plays? If you've played um stra any other strategy RPG in the past, whether we're talking like a Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem or uh, or Disgaea. It's it's very much like that. You know, if you've played one of those games, you can easily jump into Super Robot Wars without much difficulty. Um, I mean, yes, you know, you move your units around the battlefield, get into battles. Um, the battles themselves have spectacular animations. I mean, hey, it's great seeing, you know, mechs from my favorite anime fighting each other with the theme songs blaring in the background. Yeah, it's a good looking, it's a surprisingly good looking title. What you mentioned in the review is that it looks like a uh, like a high definition 16-bit kind of uh, aesthetic. 
and uh, it's very appealing. It looks a little bit more polished than pixel art, but very reminiscent of pixel art. Oh, definitely. Like you know, navigating your mechs around the battlefields. Yeah, those graphics aren't, you know, as flashy as, you know, the animated sequences or anything. But when I'm navigating my troops around the field, I'm, I don't need the flash. I just need to be able to see where my troops are, be able to smoothly pan the camera around so I can see the, the lay of the battlefield and be able to move them around mm-hmm. and being able to customize, you know, different aspects of, of my mechs, power them up properly. There's plenty of that too. So like most strategy RPG fans like tinkering around in the menus to really fine tune you know, their, their units the way they want. And Super Robot Wars is plenty of that. Well, yeah, I would imagine with robot customization, especially. The only caveat I could really give with um, Super Robot Wars 30 is that if you're from, say, the Fire Emblem school of strategy RPGs, Super Robot Wars 30 is definitely skewed a lot easier. Okay. Yes, there are four difficulty levels. There's beginner, normal, hard, and expert. But... I know a lot of veteran players say that even expert is sometimes was not as challenging as they would have liked. But for me, playing on normal, I'm not exactly hardcore. So normal was fine for me. (laughs) Yeah, a few battles spiked a little, but it was nothing I couldn't handle. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an argument that, I mean, it's an argument that is continuing over what is the best uh, difficulty level for things. And my personal preference for everything is, I go with the default, and uh, I mean that seems to be the what the developers intended. And if I want an extra level of difficulty put on top of that, I will. In fact, I've I'll, I'll tell that in a second. It's another Dragon Quest thing. I want to keep talking about this um, before we uh, we close out the episode. And I I don't know rant about Dragon Quest Eleven for a little bit longer. <laughs> it, it, I'm sorry. It's like the only person who have been allowed to rant about this game to has been Amanda, and she's tired of it. She's like, then just stop playing it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> You don't understand. I, I only have 60 hours left. Um, <laughs> um, so you mentioned, you mentioned in the review that there are some uh, uh, unintuitive UI choices made with this game, um, which, is, which is a shame. Um, do you think, is that like baked into the series or do you think that is a localization issue? I'm not 100% sure on that. I mean, for me... My issue with it was the was that if I was playing with the mouse and keyboard, I could change the button and mouse commands the way I wanted to. But I prefer playing a game like this with the gamepad. But with the gamepad, I couldn't change the default button configuration. Oh, I got used to it, but I would have liked to be able to just remap those controls. That's a fairly basic accessibility thing, uh, accessibility feature uh, that most games just kind of come with right out of the box now um actually i i think it might be game makers toolkit the youtube channel uh that does uh videos on uh accessibility and end of the year accessibility and uh apparently japanese games do tend to lag behind western games in terms of accessibility options and even basic accessibility options such as being able to remap controller buttons so it's kind of a shame that uh, that feature wasn't there. But on the other hand, it's kind of remarkable that we got this game at all. I know. The first ever Super Robot Wars game released in the U.S. It's like, I feel like any other year, Super Robot Wars 30 in the U.S. would have gotten a bit more fanfare. But we've had so many monumental releases in 2021. Like... We had a new Tales game, which is one of the best in this, which is one of the best in the series. A brand new Shin Megami Tensei game, mm-hmm. a brand new amazing expansion to uh, Final Fantasy XIV, and so many more. So, I mean, I think that's one of the nice things about RPG fan. And I know this is something. Well, I mean, you you were talking about it when we started talking about this. Uh, one of the nice things about RPG fan is we do try to put a spotlight on a lot of games that. Uh, normally wouldn't get a ton of oxygen because the oxygen to be used up by uh, the Tail series or Shin Megami Tensei or that kind of thing. Uh, and like you mentioned, Super Robot Wars was a title that you discovered through RPG Fan. And I think that's one really nice thing about our site is that you can find these hidden gems. You can find the games that should be getting more play, but aren't, you know, just, just it aren't breaking through in the same way that we would hope they would 
for a variety of reasons. One being 2021 was just a, there wasn't very much oxygen to go around, period, to be honest. But it was an amazing year for gaming. Yeah. That's the one like positive takeaway I can think of for 2021. Yeah, uh, it was, there were a lot of really great games that came out last year. Uh, and we will be featuring those in just a few weeks uh, in our uh, in our year-end feature. And we'll, we'll also do an episode of Random uh, focusing on that as well. Um, are there any other uh, entries in this that you would like to play? Like, is there any, have you looked back and said, wow, that, that'd be kind of cool to, to give it a try, like the original or anything like that? Not really. Because I feel like everything that I ever, I guess, wanted, for lack of a better word, from the series, you know, that, that magic and the mystique that, all the uh, import community was buzzing about during during my early days in RPG fan. I feel like I I got it all with Super Robot Wars 30. So this would be, not only is it a good entry point of the series, it is the only entry point of the series. <laughs> Win-win. <laughs> and again, like I said, it's the reason I got back into watching anime again. And uh, I've... Found, I've grown to enjoy several series thanks to it. And I think that is, I mean, the game looks cool. It looks, uh, the graphics look pretty darn good, look very, very uh, true to their inspirations, I imagine. But I think that's the interesting thing for me is the idea that by playing this crossover, you get exposed to a variety of different uh, uh, different uh, properties. Uh, and you might be able to, if, if a certain design or something catches your eye, you might want to, you know, play see what it's see what it's like and the gameplay itself is pretty addictive i mean even though i've you know, beaten the game reviewed it i'm still playing it i'm i'm on my second playthrough because there's two protagonists to choose from they're both very different there's two completely different storyline paths and and the fact that and i just like seeing one protagonist personality playing off the different personalities playing off the characters differently yeah, uh, it sounds and looks like a pretty cool game. Um, well, let me uh, let me just say to all of you, thank you very much for coming on and talking about these games. Uh, I know for a fact that many of our listeners and actually anyone who plays video games has have massive backlogs of games. It's just it's just part about being a gamer today. <laughs> it's yeah. there is there is no oxygen because our backlogs are breathing it all. Um, and that can come with a certain level of, I guess, paralysis. Like I got a lot of games during the steam sale for Christmas (laughs) and I was like, oh, I can't wait to dig into these. What do I want to play first? Oh no. (laughs) Which is like the worst question because you, you get paralyzed. There's just so much choice there. Um, so yeah, if, uh, if any of these games sounded interesting to you and you were looking for something to put to the right to the front of your backlog list from 2021, uh, all of these reviews can be found on the site. They'll be in the show notes uh, if you want to dig in a little bit deeper uh, to them. Um, and we will have our uh, year-end wrap-up coming in a few weeks. But for now, I actually, I'm going to rant about Dragon Quest Eleven a little bit more. So, <laughs> Dragon, remember what I said? We were talking about like difficulty, difficulty levels. Yeah. So I have a bad habit in RPGs, especially turn-based RPGs. I like grinding. I find it very relaxing. I find it almost therapeutic in a way just it's it's you know you just go and you you you, you grind uh, i discovered very quickly that if you do that with Gra- dragon quest 11 you are going to become overpowered really 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 fast like insanely fast to the point where all of the challenge of the game is sucked out of it because you're killing bosses in three hits oh no yeah so that almost i'm not gonna say ruined the game because the music did that but uh it damaged my enjoyment of the game. And then I remembered there was a feature at the very beginning of it, Draconian Quest. And you can pick like at the beginning of Dragon Quest XI-S, you can pick uh, uh, features to make the game harder on you. And one of the options is super tough monsters. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm just going to turn that on. And then I discovered that because I started the game, I couldn't. Um, so I spent an entire morning trying to figure out how to hack the PC game in order to activate that later in the game than I was supposed to, <laughs> which is an advantage to being on PC, I guess. And I did it. And all of a sudden the game got way more fun because I wasn't just like blindly plowing through it. Um, but yeah, I found the game a little bit easy 
so if anyone's planning on starting Dragon Quest XI, I would highly recommend taking a very good look at those options right off the top that are draconian quest options because you cannot turn them on uh, once you start the game uh, unless you go to extreme, extreme stupid lengths like I did. Anyway, so yeah, that's the end of my Dragon... Well, it's not the end of my Dragon Quest XI-S rant, but that's all I'm going to have time for in this episode anyway. Now, before we go, I wanted to uh, toss out a discussion question to the panel. Um, And New Year's resolutions are fairly... They didn't used to be controversial, but now they are because they are always sources of stress and anxiety. And frankly, they're just a pain in the butt for a lot of people. Um, I stopped making New Year's resolutions a few years ago when I realized that I wasn't doing anything with them um i discovered something uh a couple of uh, a couple of years ago uh, one of my favorite youtubers and podcasters cgb gray and uh mike hurley they have a podcast called cortex uh they came up with a concept called yearly themes and they have a yearly theme journal so instead of making a resolution they come up with a yearly theme so something that is like a it's like a north star for your year rather than being like i'm going to lose 30 pounds by march it would be like the year of health. So as long as you're constantly working on your health throughout the year, that is a successful year of health. Um, and it doesn't give you a concrete like goal that has a fail state to it, um, which I really, really like. Now, if you guys, if, if you like New Year's resolutions, that's awesome. What my question is for the three of you, what is your gaming New Year's resolution or uh, I guess New Year's theme or whatever you have? What is a Thing that you want to focus on in 2022 uh, about video games or not about video games just about you know you personally um and would anyone like to go first i'll go first sure dom um so uh well since you mentioned it yeah clearing out my backlog is kind of unrealistic at this point so um, my resolution for the year is actually just to finish every game that i do end up buying on on steam sales or to at least try them that's a good idea <laughs> trying them is important yeah because <laughs> yeah my backlog started to become quite ridiculous at this point yeah mine too <laughs> it's it's a, it's a problem but i mean i guess it's a good problem to have because you have all of this to look forward to but but on the other hand i look at it and i'm like i'm going to die before i finish <laughs> all of these games half the time i'm like when when did i get this why did I get this? <laughs> the, the, for me, the question of why did I get this is usually answered by it was the free game from Epic Store this week. <laughs> I could sympathize with that. Yeah, it, it's a problem, though. Um, and actually, that's it, it's a good New Year's resolution. Um, if, we're, if we're framing it as a theme, maybe the year of completion. Oh, I like that. The year of, the year <laughs> of progress, the year of the year of backlogging. <laughs> I like year of progress. Yes, I like year of progress too. Um, well, thank you, Dom, uh, Audra, or Neil. What about you? What is your New Year's thing? Mine would be just to chip away at my backlog. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. Uh, let's let's just call it the year of progress part two. Yes. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, but I'm like looking at, like even looking at my Steam list right now. I'm like. Ah, uh, I'm going to die before I play Mass Effect. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. Life is Strange? Yeah, I want to play Life is Strange. But uh, life is also short. <laughs> and uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so how long is your backlog, would you say, Audra? I, I mean, it's got to be stalled at least because I, I keep dumping new games on you to review. Um, It's pretty, it's fairly large. <laughs> Is there anything that you've started recently on your backlog that you're excited to get to? Yes, um, Suikoden, Woven Web of the Centuries. You told me a little bit about this. Uh, it is not one that's available to us, but... But it is if you import it. <laughs> yes, that is a... You went the path of the the uh, the OG RPG fan and you imported. Yep. Uh, Neil, how about you? What would you say is your uh, resolution, video game or otherwise, for 2022? In terms of gaming mostly to kind of stay the course I'm on in terms of game life balance, because like many of you, I had such an insurmountable backlog like several years ago, but then, you know, I did a a massive purge and now I'm a lot and now I've become a lot better at not just impulse buying games or making sure, or, you know, 
buying more than I can handle. Mm. So I'm looking to stay the course with that, be more mindful of, you know, my gaming purchases and everything. And the year of self-restraint on Steam? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, because like I because I will not forget what it was like having a backlog so much that playing video games started feeling like work. Like it was a chore, like yeah. just to get through the backlog. Oh, yeah. So I'm just like, nope, mm. I do not want to uh, go back there again. I think I'm going to take inspiration from all of you, actually, because mine is going to be backlog focused as well. But I'm going to say, okay, this is going to sound terrible until I explain it. Mine is going to be the year of good enough. Um, I am going to, my, my, I guess my theme or my, my guiding light is I am going to be working on my backlog next year, but I'm going to try to resist the impulse to finish every game I start. If I start playing a game and I don't mean like immediately, but if I'm like, I'm a couple of days in and I'm like, I'm not really enjoying this a whole lot. I'm going to stop mm. and I'm going to do something else. Like I have a, I have a bad case of when I start something, I need to finish it. I need to finish it. Yeah. And that put me through some terrible books, TV shows, movies. So I am going to give things a try. And if they are not to my taste, I think I will put them aside for the time being and focus on things that are. Because there is all there are always more games to play. There are always more books to read, movies to watch. And I don't think the idea of stopping should be seen personally as a failure of mine. I think it should be seen as a decision of mine to move on to something that, frankly speaking, might be more my taste. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's how I think I'm going to tackle my backlog next year. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be doing an ice cream sampler of games. I'm going to get the little <laughs> spoon and I'm going to be like, give me that, and I'm going to taste it and be like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to try that, and I'm going to play that game, and I'm going to you know get a little ice cream sampler of another, and I'm going to go, oh no, that's not that's not what I want to ever want to put in my mouth again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and hey, I mean I. I do that with a lot of things because, you know, I feel like, you know, my time is precious. My time is valuable. So mm -hmm. I want to spend it doing so I want to, you know, recognize the value of that time with things that really speak to me. Exactly. So if someone offers me a small spoonful of like, I don't know, saga chocolate swirl, I'm just going to be like, nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you all very much for coming on the podcast with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, this was the first episode of Random Encounter of 2022. Uh, it will not be the last. As you know, we do episodes every uh, two weeks, alternating on Mondays. We alternate with our music, our RPG fan music podcast, Rhythm Encounter. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, we have lots more. Uh, if there's any games, something that I actually have done in the past uh, for both random and rhythm and uh, retro encounter is if there is a game that I'm really interested in, such as Dragon Quest 11s or if I'm playing it, I'd like to go into the uh, RPG fan, uh, I guess, backlog and see if any podcasts have been done on that topic. And that that gets me some very interesting perspectives on games that I'm currently playing. So, for example, uh, Dragon Quest 11s. Yeah, there have been podcasts done at RPG fan with that feature Dragon Quest. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend to do that. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, that's great. Thank you very much. We do have some other podcasts and they are going to be having many other episodes coming up this year. Uh, Retro Encounter with Mr. Mike Solosi. We just did our year in review episode and this wasn't, it wasn't really our like games of the year episode. It was more just like taking a look back at, uh, some games that really, uh, made an impact on us in 2021. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Otter was on that one with me and oh, Mike. Yeah, yeah and I, I, it was a blast to do. Um, coming up next on Retro Encounter, we have uh, an episode that is focused on not RPGs, uh, which Solosi has done once in the past, and this is going to be part two. And then that's going to be followed up by January's game, which is going to be Skies of Arcadia. Uh, and those are going to be hosted by Alana. And I am super looking forward to those episodes because Alana is a, she's a fan, shall we say, of Skies <laughs> of Arcadia. She she has dabbled and, and likes it a little bit. So I'm super excited to listen to those. Uh, we also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG Fans Music Podcast. Uh, in the last episode, it was Cocktail Time. They were, uh, the, the panel was focusing on songs from games that reminded them of a variety of drinks, uh, whether those drinks were alcoholic or not. And it was a super fun episode uh, to edit, actually. Um, and the music in it is just, it's really, really cool and uh, slightly different than a lot of uh, rhythm episodes 
uh, in that there's a variety of different kinds of music in that because there's all kinds of different drinks. Uh, and then coming up next week, we have the Smash Brothers arrangement of RPG music rhythm episode. So that's going to be cool because I mean, Smash Brothers uh, has a bit of, has a, some music in it, has a has a song or two, uh, some of which has come from RPGs. So that's going to be really cool. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can fire me off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. Uh, I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for future episode themes uh, or discussion questions, anything else you'd like to share, just feedback, please feedback. Um, if you want to contact me directly, you can do so at jloganrpgfan.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. So if you want to add me on Twitter, feel free. Uh, and we have some other people on this podcast, and they also have internet presences. Uh, Audra, where can we find you online? You can find me on my email, AudraB at RPGFan.com. Cool. And Neil, where can we find you? My personal email on the site is Neil, C-H-N-E-A-L-C-H at RPGFan.com, or for industry folks, PR at RPGFan.com. And on Discord, I'm Neil, C-H-RPGFan. Cool. And Dom, where can we find you? You can find me most of the time lurking on Discord under the tag of DH Caddy. Cool. Um, so, yeah, thank you all for coming again. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Uh, help us get the word out. You can rate us on iTunes and other podcast players. Uh, and yeah, so I hope that you have a wonderful 2022. We will be here with you. I, w- I want to say every step of the way, but because we're you know, bi-weekly every second step of the way. Um, but if you, if you listen to, if you listen to rhythm encounter every step of the way. Um, so thank you again and whatever you're playing, have fun.